small business owners have a big journey ahead. We're here to make that road a little easier with effective tips on everything from sales and marketing to succession. This is the Legacy Academy. Hello and welcome to the Legacy Academy. I'm your host, Justin Grice, the COO and co-founder of Real Pro Coaching. And with me is my wife, attorney Natalia Willette Grice, owner of LCO Law and the co-founder of Real Pro Coaching. Today, we're joined by Pablo Devalle from Pinnacle Technologies. Pablo has a degree in information technology and network administration, and he's here to talk with us about the benefits of owning your own software as a small business owner. Welcome to the Legacy Academy, Pablo. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your background? Yeah, so I'm a Florida native. I uh, went to Winter Park High School and then went to school online. Got my, like you said, got my degrees in technology and information. Uh, I worked a long time in the event services industry, doing event services, the same thing, technology, networking, software development, but always in B2B uh, event conferences. And in 2020, obviously that got a big hit mm. because of COVID. Right. Completely disrupted that industry. And I was left with at a sort of a, a crossing point, what I wanted to do. And I just took that risk and, and started my uh, first business, went out on my own. And that's Pinnacle Technologies. So we've been in business since June of 2020. And uh, doesn't seem any signs of slowing down. We're a, we're a software development firm. So what we do is we provide custom software solutions for either startups that want to build an application as their product or for existing businesses that are looking to have a custom solution to help with their operational processes. Excellent, excellent. So now the, the apps that you develop, are those both Android, Apple, doesn't matter? Yeah, I mean, that's the wonderful thing about software development. There's never the same way, you know, you, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? I hate to sure. cliche, but there really is. So we develop both iOS and Android, both native, and then we also develop applications that work on both. From the development process, which is kind of tricky, but we do that. Nice. Uh, we, and then we develop a lot for Windows. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. That sounds great. Um, so small business owners spend a lot of money on monthly subscriptions for software. That's essential to their business. Um, today, we're going to look at another way, maybe a better option, especially for niche industries. Uh, can you name a few benefits, Pablo, of owning your own software? Absolutely. So you mentioned that you know a lot of people go with subscription software, and that's mm -hmm. actually the only kind of software in existence at this point. I challenge anyone to go and buy a licensed piece of software they don't have to have to pay for again. It's really going away. And the problem with that is that you know when you first start off, it seems cheap, right? Seventy bucks a month, or maybe it's like a hundred dollars a year, and you get three users. But what they don't tell you is that as you grow in your users, as your company grows. Your cost grows. I was having a conversation with an insurance company recently that said that they're only about 20 people and they're paying about 10K a year in software costs. Wow. And that's only going to go up as they grow and add more people to use the software solution. Mm -hmm. So the biggest benefit is that, sure, uh, you have to pay for the software, but there is no increase year over year or an increase when you add users. And that's not the type of, well, there's a small increase. On the back end, for hosting and data and things like that, 
but you're not going to get a license cost per user like if you were to use a SaaS platform. Right. It sounds like those costs can escalate quickly. Very quickly. And if you're in a niche, a niche market, it's even worse because not only are you paying those really high subscription fees, but you tend to get solutions that aren't exactly made for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I use the analogy of uh, like, I'm going to date myself here, but remember when we used to listen to CDs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you would buy a CD that had 15 songs, but really you wanted to listen to just five of those songs, right? Mm-hmm. So software, it's a lot like that, where you're going to get some of the features you like and then a bunch of stuff that you really don't need to use, but you're still going to have to pay for it. Yes. Yes. We've, we've run into that Yeah. Ourselves. I find that's very common in the legal industry. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some risks that business owners face when they have to rely on those external softwares? I think the biggest risk, obviously, is the cost risk that goes up as you grow, which doesn't seem very fair. You're getting, and uh, the other one is if, you do, if you're in a niche industry and you have to go with a product that's made specifically for you and may not have a large backing to sustain it as a company, and then that company could go away. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you no longer have support for something that you purchase. And this happens a lot with uh, products that are made for very specific industries, right? Right. They, they try to build a business around that product, and then that doesn't work very well. And the, the owner of, let's say, the plumbing company is left with a plumbing solution with no, no one adding new features as technology in your industry changes. They don't develop or innovate at all. So really, you're just kind of left with like a dud piece of software that every year it gets worse and worse and worse and there's no one supporting it. So that's a really big risk that you take. Yeah, those are those are two substantial risks to, to business. Yeah, well, when you think about it, it like when you get your your um, your, your software developed for your niche industry, all right, you, you hire a developer and when, when you're working on this thing and it works great for what you need right now. But if there's any change in your business model or anything like that, you're going to have to throw extra cost at that as well. Well, that's kind of the benefit of working with a developer though, if it's the right developer, because I, I would think that they are going to continue that relationship with you and build along as your business needs improvement, or maybe there's something new that arises, but you know, this is what Pablo will share with us. Um, Cause I don't want to make assumptions. <laughs> All right. So, so Pablo, you know, for, for a lot of people, software development can feel kind of like out of reach financially and, and for small businesses planning for this is really important. So what can small business owners expect for development and maintenance costs? So for development costs, you want to estimate about a hundred dollars an hour per developer. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a very wide range. And also, those are my prices. <laughs> we try to be very competitive. Uh, they, I've seen as much as $225 an hour for a particular developer if they have a very specific competency level. And then from there, the it's about as how complicated you need that application to be. If you're talking about a mobile application, 100 hours to 200 de- hours of development time, if you're talking about a Windows, uh, like a web-based SaaS platform, it can be as high as a thousand hours, depending wow. on how complicated it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So really, it just—it's really based on what your solution is and um, how complicated it is, how many connection points, like how many integration pieces, how big is the database. These are all things that you have to take into consideration, right? Mm-hmm. But the beauty of it is that you can—you don't have to pay for it all at once especially when you're working with a, a developer, right? Uh, the development happens, you can budget it out per month based on how many sort of hours you can pay afford in that month. 
and you can include that as part of your operational costs, mm -hmm. right? And that's smart to do that because once you've got your first release, your as they call it, your MVP, then if you've kind of tied it into your operational costs, then that's the cost of keeping the software going year over year, month over month, and adding new features to it, just slightly turned down, right? Because the first release is always the most expensive. Then once you've got that initial release, then you can probably cut back on how many development hours you need with some slight bug fixes here or there. Sure. Uh, the last application we worked on was, uh, it's called a human machine interface mm -hmm. application. And it came roughly around $20,000. And I think it was about 100 to 200, uh, about 150 hours of development time. And it was a ground up development. So there was nothing before it. Okay, that, yeah. that's honestly, that's a lot less than I anticipated. I thought if you're going to develop an app or something, you're going to be paying 50 grand. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, depends, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it really depends. But it's never like $400,000, sure. right? That's a very complicated solution if you're, if you're paying that much. Yeah, I can and see that in like an aerospace industry or something of the sort. Yeah, if you're going to control the planes uh -huh. from the phone. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Anything involving AI have some sort of like analysis system that needs to be created like an algorithm base uh, one that happens a lot that people think is easy is like analyzing images for things like they think you know i take a picture of something and then i want to process it and mm -hmm. analyze all the different colors let's say for example um that's that's complicated if you want to use ai to do that that's where you start getting into those expensive costs but an ai is different than logic right so like uh if this then that quite different Right, right. Logic algorithms are sort of process in, process out. AI machine learning is actually the process of sort of having an intelligent logic system bombarded with different sort of factors over and over again, the differentiation. It's sort of just, it's, it's, it's learning, right? Mm -hmm. like you show it a picture of a dog, then a dog with a tail, then a dog with two tails, then a dog with three tails, then a dog with four tails. And it just starts processing all that data. And then, and, I, and I'm not the AI engineer, I'll tell you that right now. So I apologize to all the AI people who are listening to this terrible uh, description. But really what you're doing is you're bombarding the system with information and it just starts making heads or tails of it to the point where when it processes something, it has a giant database to uh, cross-reference against. So big that it seems like it's smart. Mm. Okay, interesting. So, so now that we've discussed a little bit about, you know, costs and some expectations for cost of development and, and some in terms of maintenance and, and setting aside and really creating a budget as part of like your business budget should have an information technology and software budget. Um, can you share with us some of like the win-win approaches for having your own software, paying for your own software development, and maybe some of the ways in which you can recoup the costs with having your yeah. own software? Yeah, Absolutely. Well, so like I mentioned, right, you want to include that uh, the development costs in your operational budget. And the win-win of that is that obviously once it's done developed, right, you don't have to pay anymore for it, no matter how many users you add to it. The software is going to have a small upkeep cost because of your hosting fees. Obviously, everything now is developed for cloud systems, so you could buy a computer and store it on a server at your office. It's not recommended though. So there's a small upkeep of about a hundred bucks a month, right? So let's say $1,200 to host it. And that's a very good hosting package. Like you wouldn't need 
to uproot that in a very long time, right? Sure. Hmm. Um, and then, obviously, you want to incorporate some hours based on the complexity of your software for bug fixes and feature updates. And this is something that's going to happen from, you know, your feature updates or user feedback. They're, oh, we love it. I wish it did this. Mm-hmm. And then bug fixes are the user, oh, every time I click in the corner, for some reason, it crashes, right? And so those, you want to account for those, too. And I would say it's about 20% of the total amount of hours that you invested in the development is what you should invest in. And what I like to do with my clients is do a, you know three months at like maybe 50% of the total hours invested that month. So if we were working at, let's say, 60 hours a month, we would drop to 30 hours a month for the first three months. And then from there, maybe drop back down to like 10 or 15 okay. in perpetuity, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And because as software developers, we don't ever leave our clients high and dry with their solution. We're always there for them. And we present them with the um, the code base in a way that if you know they decided in the future to use someone else, then that code is available to them because it's it's theirs. They own it, right? And that's the important part. So that's another win is you own the code. So you can shop developers, you can take it and add new technologies that grow into the future. You know, as they uh, become available in the future, you can sort of add them into your solution can't do that with something someone else made, right? You have to mm-hmm. wait for them to add that technology to it. So that's definitely another win. And because it's your own intellectual property, you can license it out to other similar businesses. That's right. Perhaps that's as a right. solution. So like if, let's say, you, de- you took uh, seven months and you developed a really good legal program, something that isn't out in the marketplace, and you, after doing some market research, you realize, hey, a lot of people need this you can actually develop an entire company or business based off that product by licensing it to uh, competitors. Ah, that's a really great idea. And it's a idea. quick way to get get your money back for what you invested. Sure. Right. So how long should a business owner set aside to, you know, if they're thinking about having a software developer work on developing an application for them, how long should they set aside on average for this application to be developed? Right. So really want to get it done as quickly as possible, right? You never want to have something in development for like two years. That it's, it's obsolete by that point. So sure. Really six, six to ten months. Okay. Six months is optimal, but it's never, you know, we never are perfect, right? So I would say six to ten months, ten on the more complicated side. If you're developed for over a year, it better be a really complicated piece of software that you're developing for to take that long. And again, because the longer you take for it to come out, the more expensive it's going to be, right? Because, you know, it's, you're paying for those developers over that time. But also it becomes a little bit more obsolete once it's released. So then you have to go back and develop more for it immediately, right? right. The faster you get it out, the longer of the lapse between when new technologies come out, then you have to go back and develop it again. Yeah, yeah. The technology shifting and evolving so quickly. Yeah. That- yeah, it makes sense that you don't want to be stuck in development for a period of time where the software that you're creating is already obsolete. Mm-hmm. Right, and this is especially true if you're a, a startup business mm. and you're hiring a developer for to build your product that you're trying to launch your business around. Like, time is of the essence at that point. Those guys usually go with accelerated development cycles of anywhere from four to six months. Sure. Wow. Right, because they need to hit the market as quickly as possible with their initial release. And one of the tricks that they do is that they'll go to market with the release that's built around maybe one key feature. And so they'll go around and they'll shop that key feature 
to potential buyers, release the application, just that one key feature, get it into people, start collecting revenue, and then promise them the next feature in, let's say, a month. Mm. You just start releasing things month, yeah, every like month. piecemeal releasing. Yeah, you piecemeal it out. And then what you do is your early adopters, they get it free. Your new adopters have to maybe like have some sort of plan to pay for it in a different way. And there's a lot of different you know tricks that you can do. But as a company built around it, you definitely, it's always as fast as possible. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, makes total sense. Now, Pablo, can you share a little bit about hosting infrastructure and what owners should focus on in the long term with their development team? So it's all about cloud, right? Mm. Cloud, cloud, cloud. But what is cloud? Cloud is just somebody else's computer. (laughs) (laughs) So the real options that you have is you can have an on-premise hosting, right? That's Mm -hmm. a server that lives in your office or your building, and it's a physical server that belongs to you. Now, this isn't like a computer, like a box, like a PC. This would be a rack-mounted server. Mm-hmm. It's got like four, five, six processors inside of it, lots of memory, and it's really built on being able to handle hundreds of thousands of connections and interactions at one time, right? Uh, that can tend to be very expensive on the upfront, but then you obviously, like anything where you pay for it upfront, you don't have to then have that in perpetuity cost of cloud, True. right? Right. But I don't recommend it. It's, it's not fun. You have to really have an entire, it's, it's sort of like an outdated methodology because cloud is just so inexpensive. Like you can set up an Amazon Web Services a cloud server or uh, Azure, which is what we kind of focus on, the Microsoft tech stack. Um, you can set it up that day. It only takes a day to set up. And then they can begin developing in it right away. And the costs, like I said, anywhere from like 60 to $150 at the beginning, right? If you need something more complicated, it goes up a little bit. But the, the beauty of it is that Microsoft, Amazon, they handle upgrading those that server. They handle the maintenance on it. So it, you know, it doesn't overheat and die. If there's a hurricane, they handle the hot swapping of it so you never have downtime. Yeah, so that, yeah. That's that makes the sense. Benefit. Yeah, you don't have to have any kind of IT team managing the hardware, right? You right. know it's going to be there. And something cool about Amazon, I think Microsoft does it as well, but Amazon has a system to where, like, if you, let's say you set up your server for 100,000 users and then you hit, like, all of a sudden overnight 200,000, they'll, they can automatically generate different instances of your same server automatically to handle the increase in workload, which is why they sort of capitalize that uh, cloud hosting market. It's that technology, that EC2 technology. So it's, it's cool stuff. Yeah, it's probably beneficial also from a security standpoint because it's in Amazon's best interest to make sure that their servers are secure as possible. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's very, very secure. Like, they take their security highly serious. I, uh, I used to work the Amazon events and it was some of the most stringent technical uh, security requirements, both physical and in the, uh, you know, the digital space, like for your software. Like they do not play around. And Microsoft is the same way, highly secure. So absolutely. So how would you say, um, how can business owners reach out to you about software development projects? Well, so obviously you can go to my website, www.pinnacletechco.com. 
Wars, uh, you can come to one of our, I don't know if I can say this, PIN, the PIN meetings. I'm a member of PIN. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> so obviously, you can always uh, find me there. Um, and I'm always available to have that initial conversation, right? Because it always starts with just an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish what, and, and analyzing the time frame and what you're trying to build out and if we have the people on board who have those competencies, right? Like, we don't, we can't do everything, you know? So it really just, we focus on our niche products or our ideal clients or startups or existing businesses that are looking to build mobile applications or they're looking to build some sort of platform, web platform to service their clients or an application to, you know, like a Windows application, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Excellent. Thank you so much. So yeah, just, thank you, Pablo. just to kind of wrap this up and summarize, what do you, what would you say are the three top things a business owner should do to prepare or how they can benefit? What are the top three things about owning the software? That they should know about to start prepare about today. Right. So top three things. One, you want to make sure you, you have an understanding of your development life cycle, right? Like mm -hmm. how long do you have for it to take? When do you want it to release? Budget, how much you expect to pay and understand that you can break that up month to month. It won't be like something that you have to do all at once. So you can sort of start without understanding how long it'll take out total cost. But if you have a roundabout monthly cost that you can afford, that's a good place to start. Excellent. Um, uh, really, and then and I, the vision, you have to have the vision of what you needed to do and be very specific about that because the more vague you are in the features, the more expensive it'll be. Mm -hmm. So definitely jot down all the features that you wanted to do and be as specific as humanly possible. And that's always a good, good place to start. Um, and I'm trying to see, oh, and then obviously keep in mind that there's going to be some sort of hosting costs. Even if you don't have to pay those monthly subscriptions, there's a small hosting cost that you have to pay for the data on a server, on a cloud server. Awesome. Pablo, thank you so much for joining us today. We learned a lot about a lot of valuable information. There's a lot of stuff here that I just had no idea or that my assumptions were just way off base. So it's, <laughs> it's good to have an expert come in and, and yeah. lay down some truth for us. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you so much for ha being here at the Legacy Academy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful. All right. Thanks, Pablo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite application. And tune in every Thursday where we'll bring you more tips on how you can improve your small business. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Legacy Academy FM.